What's up, guys? Zach Herbert, Idea Addict. It is Monday, January something. 10? 11? January 10th. The exterior temperature in Omaha, Nebraska is <laughs> 17 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, we got all the facts out of the way. Zach Herbert, Idea Addict. Broadcasting across the stars. Spreading truth. Spreading love, not hate. Really good stuff, y'all. Really good. How was your weekend? Hmm? I used to hate that. I, you might not know this about me. I used to have an office job. <laughs> a couple. Uh, didn't fit me at all. I'm not a morning person, and I'm not like super friendly until about 11 o'clock and 11, 11.30. Around then, after I've had about four Diet Cokes and like two or three chews. Then I start getting friendly. Then I'm the old whimsical cat, you know. Whimsical. But, uh, like at 9 o'clock, I don't want to, like, talk to anyone. And I don't want to talk about my weekend. So people always be like, how's your weekend? I'm like, yeah, it was great. Better than this shit. <laughs> oh, it was great, Linda. Are you going to fucking put your stuff in the microwave today at noon until it explodes and stinks up the whole office, you bitch? Um, <laughs> I had a great little uh, weekend. It was fine. I got <laughs> fit in three more Christmases. <laughs> How do you like that? Did one in Sioux City, which was fine. Actually, it wasn't. It was fine. My problem was I had like a splitting headache. <laughs> Horrible headache. And I don't get headaches. So when I have one, I'm just writhing in, writhing in pain on the floor. <laughs> so that wasn't good. And it's a long drive. And I was fighting children. Um, we had to put our oldest son, he has reactive airway disease, so every time he gets sick, we've been having to go to the emergency room for like a breathing treatment. We tried taking him to an urgent care, but they can't seem to figure it out. They don't have, it's not potent enough or something. So we ended up going to the ER. And then we're like, okay, like, what are we supposed to do with this? So we went to the doctor and they put him on a daily inhaler and then like a kid's dose of singular. Well, the singular has made him <laughs> like hyperactive. And I'm like, I don't like, I don't like this. Like what's it doing to him? He's too, this is a little much for me. <clears throat> Do we have any other options besides drugging my child? So, took him off the singular, found another option, but he, over the weekend he was like coming down off of being on singular. Need my kids detoxing at Christmas. Uh, so we had that one, then we had a Zoom one, not going to go into it. And then we had like another one because my present from my mom, my regular Christmas, didn't show up. And then I forgot her stocking stuffer, so we had to do another one. So it, is it out of our system? Hopefully. Don't get me wrong, I like Christmas, but I want to just do it on Christmas Day. Okay? I don't want to drag it into February. <clears throat> but as we know from the opening, it's January 10th, 2022. <laughs> really good stuff. So the... I had all these, like, crazy ideas. Obviously, I mean, that's the point of this whole exercise. But I was like, what I need to do is... 
just focus on what I have with the junk removal and like my own dumpsters and try to get every little bit of like money out of it before I go spend like more money and buy more dumpsters or, you know, go buy, <laughs> go buy like a grapple hook truck or something stupid. I was like, let's just get everything we possibly can out of the junk removal. So last week, I was just, I told my wife, I was like, I'm just going to like say yes to every junk removal thing. Because a lot of times I just am like, I don't want to, I don't really feel like doing that, so I'm just not going to. But I told her, I was like, I just, I'm just going to start doing it. I'm going to start advertising for it because it is easy. Um, it's, you can do one stop in about 10 minutes and make $100 or whatever, you know, so whatever. Because I'm running out all my dumpsters pretty easily. So I was like, I can't just be sitting around at home um, praying to win the lottery. You know, I tried that last week. I didn't, I didn't match one number, folks. Okay. Did you know the odds to win the lottery are not very good? <laughs> Great stuff. So I put it out in the universe, which I believe, like when you want to do something, you have to like start saying, like talking like you're, you're someone who does that. So I started putting it out in the universe and little wife landed me a job to clean out a two-car detached garage for $1,000. Dash, what's up? It was like a... Me and my cousin did it on Friday. It was like a six-hour job. For a girl. So it cost me $100. Well, it cost me 80 bucks to have, 80 bucks to have my cousin help me. About fifty dollars in dump fees, and then we did another stop after that for an additional three hundred. And it was a a good little day. I netted out eleven hundred dollars, and I worked seven and a half hours. It's pretty good. Broke down to like one hundred and thirty bucks an hour, and it was enjoyable. I mean, it was a what happened is the people had a rental, and they uh, hadn't rented it out in a year. And it wasn't in a bad area, but it was in a little bit of a questionable area. So the homeless population realized that these people were not utilizing their house. So they just moved into the garage, tapped into the power. <laughs> they had a whole they had a pretty good little setup, to be honest. I mean, as far as homeless encampments go. Because they had a two-car garage. They had like a kitchen set up in there. They had tons of food. They had a bed. Um, the bed uh, it was like a mattress in a box spring. It looked fairly new. And it was like an expensive brand. It was like a Sealy. Okay. Tons of food. And uh, it was just weed. I don't even think they, they, we didn't find any needles. They weren't doing heroin. Good for them. What else did they have? Oh, it looks like they were doing some gift card trading. Working that scheme. <laughs> There's a lot of gift cards. Giving gift cards. Taking gift cards. Um, but, it, I mean, honestly, it wasn't that bad. It, did, it smelled like body odor and weed. But other than that, I said that. My cousin's like, isn't that kind of the same thing? And I'm like, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Um, again, junk removal, not for everyone. Not for everyone. Uh, the other thing is they were pretty respectful because they didn't really go in the house. I mean, one person was in the house, uh, a female, and she was living in the basement. There's like in a basement apartment. 
But she was like doing the dishes and cleaning. She had a vacuum down there. <laughs> and then she went without a fight. She was like, hey, I get it. Not my house. And the homeowner was like, well, at least she was nice. And I was like, yeah, she was really nice. She stole like 10 grand from me, basically. And she was using, they were using the power and the gas and the water. What are you going to do? Take them to court? <laughs> oh, so when I was at the Christmas in Sioux City, I was feeding the baby. I felt like I was feeding the baby the entire time they were there. I was feeding the baby and a kid I went to high school with, who I was pretty good friends with, messaged me on Facebook and he was like, hey, uh, I don't normally do this, but I'm just reaching out. My uh, New Year's resolution is to reach out to somebody that I was friends with that I haven't like, kept in contact with. I thought that was pretty cool. Chatted with him a little bit. Great guy. It was weird because it was like, we were like really good friends in high school and it's like basically strangers now. I don't know anything about him and doesn't know anything about me. I knew where he lived, um, but I didn't, I like didn't know how many kids he had. I didn't even like, I knew he was married, but I didn't know. It was basically like we were strangers. It's a little weird. Folks, you got to keep up with your friends, okay? Good stuff. I feel like the friends you went to college with, are, that's who you're, like, closest with now because that's you kind of, like, become an adult with them. You get that? Do you dig? And they are great people. Sorry, a cop is really, like, checking out what I'm doing. <laughs> Sir, why do you have a sound booth set up in your car? I feel unsafe. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. I wanted to throw that in. Maybe try that, make you feel good. I was like, I should do that. Because I, like I, I'm on Facebook, but I don't follow. I unfollowed everyone in 2020. So my it was kind of interesting because like my face like Facebook didn't know what to do because I unfollowed every single person I was friends with and like every single group I was in so I was just getting like the weather on my feed and like generic news and if I got too much from one news news source I would unfollow it they didn't know what to do Zuckerberg was texting me like dude what's going on um oh speaking of just weird I don't know if this is weird or I kind of give you the backstory on this rant <clears throat> so we, we were redoing our kitchen this was like 2000 late 2018 maybe which seems like it was yesterday it was really four years ago that's scary um we were redoing our kitchen and we, we wanted to we needed to upgrade our appliances and i just told my wife straight up i'm like i'm i'm not buying new appliances they're way overpriced and they never work and they they break down all the time by design her parents had just redone their kitchen they got all new appliances uh the stove wouldn't heat and the fucking fridge and freezer wouldn't cool <laughs> okay that's and the, the dishwasher was super loud and it leaked so none of the appliances did what they were supposed to do your boy ain't down with that so I was like, I'm not buying new stuff. You know, you can buy, like, new used stuff. So she found, a, um, like, a pretty, I think it was, like, a double oven. <laughs> pretty inexpensive on 
on the Facebooks, and it was in Springfield, which is just like south of south of Miller. So we went down there, and uh, it was like in a contractor bay or whatever, and this guy met us there. He's a younger guy, maybe like 10 years older than me, so he's maybe in like his mid-30s or, or late-30s. And uh, he had like a bunch of other appliances, and we're like, well, do you like have anything else? And he's like, oh yeah, I have like a lot more. So we like went to the next bay over, and it was totally full of like brand, they looked brand new, they were still in the wrapping. <coughs> and I, we're, I was like, what's like, what's going on here? And he's like, well, he has like a local like delivery company, like a local trucking company where he like does deliveries for uh, like Ferguson and uh, stuff like that. So he delivers appliances for like everywhere but Nebraska Branch Mart essentially. And he's like, yeah, I do that. I also have like a landscape company and like a couple other companies. And uh, he drove like a like a brand new, like spanking new, like F-350 lifted with all the stuff, you know. 15 TVs, including one in the gas tank. That whole shebang. And, uh, so his truck was, like, pretty hard to miss. So one time I was driving on 120th and Center, and his truck was, like, parked in a driveway. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I drove by again, and I found out he, like, lives there. It's like a little cracker box house, and 120th where he lives is, like, really busy. He drives, like, a that truck his wife drives like a 7 series BMW and they also have a Range Rover and they live in like a $100,000 house on a busy street I can't decide if the guy's a dumbass or a complete genius because it's like his house is obviously paid for great guy anyway I always like drive by his house and I'm like what's this deal with that oh and he also delivered it for free great guy and we bought like a dual fuel gas stove and oven from him for like $400. You can't even buy a burner anymore for $400. Let's see what else we got to rant about. You know what we're going to do? Uh, this is a long segment coming up, so we're going to hit you with a commercial break. Zach Hergert Idea Attic. Taking over for the 992000. Thank you. All right, we're back. Out of commercial. Zach Kirk Idea Attic. Here's what we're going to dive into. All right, we're going to get right into the... I got two businesses for sale. <coughs> Sorry, fix it in post. I got two businesses for sale for you. They're, uh... Let's see what we got up in here. <laughs> I remember thinking this morning they were pretty cool. Of course, that was at 7 a.m. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, the first one, I think this is good. It's an antique classic car dealership. I think that's pretty good because there's a lot of people who are just obsessed with cars, classic cars, collectible cars. We know this guy that he's a he's a developer, and he has a huge like collection of Ferraris that he doesn't even drive. <laughs> They're just in a building downtown. I also know there's a guy in town, he owns a transmission company, and he has a building over off of like 50th and Center that has a bunch of classic cars that just sit around. And it's not just rich, it's not just rich people. I mean, I know a lot of people who have, you know, like a 65 Mustang, this or that or whatever. So there's definitely a, there's definitely a market for it. 
And actually where I keep my dumpsters across the street is a junkyard and they have one whole section dedicated to old classic cars um, where you can buy like a, pro a whole project car, just pieces out of the scrap, the scrapyard. So there's obviously a huge demand. And I think the more cars go to like electric and more like fuel efficient and green or whatever every car now just looks like a jelly bean driving down the road so people want those like curves of the 50s and the aggressive look of the muscle cars and stuff like that so this bad boy's in illinois don't like that whatsoever that's a dead state asking price 3.6 million cash flows 1.1 um off of a gross revenue of five million. Now, let me see here. It was established in 1996, so they obviously have a, a lot of. They got a good email list, you dig? <laughs> and this is a niche, niche dealership opportunity. Yeah, I'm just gonna read this verbatim so you can really get the get a feel for it. Chance to own a dream business for sale is an antique and classic vehicle dealership that is family owned, started as a hobby that has grown over 24 years to a multi-million dollar niche dealership business. Average sales revenue of approximately $5 million a year with an average annual net income of approximately 1 million. Dealership is located on old historic Route 66 in the Midwest, servicing, serving as a tourist destination for travelers. Dealership specializes in selling, selling those classic and antique vehicles between the ages of 1920 and 1980. Over 80% of sales are sold online or via online lead generation. Company has a solid employee base with an average tenure of 10 years plus. Company has a global presence and has a highly res respected reputation in the industry of selling classic and antique cars. Owners are willing to support the new owner in transition in the future as well as ongoing support to uh, support going to auctions and assets with um, as well as ongoing support going to auctions and assisting with buying of inventory. Now, <clears throat> here's my thing. <clears throat> they own the real estate's not included in the asking price. So what I would do, <laughs> I hate Illinois. So let's move that depending on where they're at. Let's just move it across the border into Indiana or Missouri. Don't, I don't like that. I don't want to, I don't want to run a business out of Illinois. So, but I do like that. I mean, I think that's pretty sweet. You could also find a piece of property probably cheaper in Missouri, right? Reason for selling. Seller is aging and wanting to retire in the future. Now I would like I want to look I, I would like to look at this and look back a couple years because right now everything the price of everything's inflated. So are, are we just is the asking price based on like these inflated prices? Because people are selling like pickups from the eighties that are like in good shape that are cleaned up for like thirty grand. <coughs> so if you're a car junkie and you're into that kind of stuff, you like a lot of people do this as a hobby anyway. If you could turn a hobby you really like into a business. God, I appreciate that. I really do. 
Let's see who's got this thing. The business is listed by Misty Minosi, Sunbelt Business Brokers of Metro East Illinois. Well, if it's in East Illinois, Misty, can I just throw that bitch across the border into Indiana? Indiana's one of the freest states. Did you know that? So that one's okay. I think it's pretty good. You have to be able to get the stuff. Are you traveling all over the... Me uh, <laughs> scoozy. Are you traveling all over the country going to auctions to find these classic cars? That sounds like a hassle to me. That's not my cup of tea, frankly, but it is a niche business. You can sell things over the internet. You can do... I would be doing, like, internet auction of these cars, you know? Um, so I think that there could be something to that, frankly. Now, here's something that I actually like more, and it's a, this is the business for sale number two, and it's a, it's called a booming private security business. It's in Denver County, Colorado. I like Denver. I don't know why. They have some ideas I'm not crazy about there, but you got the mountains, you got good weather, it's a great city. One of the only cities I've ever gone to and eaten where I was like, the food here is amazing. People always are like, the food in Las Vegas is so good. I've never had a good meal there. I've had good meal at one place, which is like a breakfast place. But that pisses me off because it's like, I can cook my own breakfast for way cheaper. God, you people are evil. So this is a private security company. Asking price, 1.5 mil. Cash flows, a mil. Gross revenue, a mil. Going to need some more information than that. Those look like they're just penciled in. Everything's a million. Rent, $675 a month. You're renting something for $675,000. Er, excuse me. You're renting for something for $675 per month in Denver? A phone booth? That doesn't seem right. We're going to need some additional info on this. But I, I like a security company because it's literally just a staffing business. Because you're like, security, like, what are you doing? I mean, you're not a bodyguard. You're not, <laughs> this isn't a bodyguard service for, like, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. There isn't going to be people, like, rolling up on you with machine guns. You're going to be, like, it's going to be somebody sitting in a car all night on a construction site. Okay. This thing's got two locations, 600% growth in the last year, pandemic proof, located in Denver and Colorado Springs. Now, I do like the write-up, so I'm going to read it to you. The security firm is the most proactive, upscale, and up-to-date technology-based security company in the Denver and Colorado Springs metro market. It's a sad truth that a good deal of state and federal funding has been cut for police departments. Because of these budget cuts, there has been a proven decrease in law enforcement presence and, a pro and proactive patrols going on, which can and ultimately will lead to an increase in crime. On the upside, we are seeing more and more police departments across the country not being able to offer full-service 24-hour patrols. This is where this business comes into play, people. More and more private businesses and property owners are turning to private security to fill the gap. Businesses booming with no end in sight. <clears throat> Sorry, that's not good. I got to do it. I don't know. I don't know how to hit mute. Our company has the training and the latest trends in equipment, technology, and the experience and skilled manpower to provide these, this proven crime prevention service.
This is a turnkey solution. Blah bitty blah. Competition's fragmented. Can't keep up. Okay, so the rest of it's kind of BS. Here's a service they offer. Mobile patrols, parking enforcement, prisoner transport, money transfer, personal protection, civil standby, secure transport, on-site officers, fire watch, virtual guarding, cameras monitoring, employee termination, and much more. Um, the write-up is a little much for me. I'm not getting any specifics here, which I don't like. But what I do like is I like a security... I like a, a private security because, like I said, it's basically staffing. You're just having people, like, watching, and if something really bad happens, I call the police. For the most part, security guards aren't, like, doing anything. Um, prisoner transport, I would not do that. <laughs> Hell no. That's when, that's when prisoners actually do escape. Cut that out, y'all. Um, but private security and what was the other one? they said that they did some of this doesn't really fall into that cameras and cameras and monitoring that's a different kind of business so you definitely have to dig deeper into what they're talking about here um i need some more specifics this sounds like it's too good to be true um reasons for selling it says relocation well you couldn't run this from a different place and it also says competition there's only three other companies in the market I don't think that's true. How could that be true? More than three companies in Omaha. Omaha's way smaller than the metro Denver area. But I like it because it's in Denver. Denver's explosive growth. <coughs> and it's just a staffing company. Now, obviously, you got some staffing issues out there, folks. Okay? We've all been reading about that. Hell, we've been experiencing it. The labor shortage. Millennials don't want to bring you a pizza for $10 an hour. Millennials don't want to start at the bottom. They want to start at the top. They want to be CEO. They went to college. I went to UNL. Obviously, I know everything. I'm not going to start by 15 bucks an hour. That's not fair. How do I buy a house on a minimum wage job? Their mom's boyfriend, when they were growing up, never told them, hey, you don't buy a house on a minimum wage job. That's the job you work in high school. It's a job you work in the beginning of college. No one survives on a minimum wage job, you idiot. <laughs> so we have the staffing thing. No one wants to wait tables. Ooh, look at me. Well, you can make good money waiting tables depending on where you're doing it. I had a friend who waited tables in college, and he made like a couple hundred bucks a day. Guess what? Your mommy and daddy might not make a couple hundred bucks a day. But if you're one of these people, like me, who looks at the world and says, what's my angle? How do I get mine, if you will? Then I have an idea for you. Not really my idea. <laughs> stolen idea that someone else, a, a listener, one of the best, frankly, one of the best listeners, brought to my attention after last week's show. And I've been thinking about it. I've been trying to do this, but it's not working. <laughs> and we'll get into why right after these messages. Okay, we're back. Back from break. Fresh off break, folks. Had a cup of cough. Coffee, yes. So, 
looking to exploit a labor shortage. What do we do with that? Where do we live with that? Well, I've been trying to do it. It's not possible for me. Like I said, we'll get into why. Okay, we don't need to, we need to point fingers. We need to name names. <clears throat> Sorry, I was outside and it is chilly. I have this new bizarre thing where if I go outside, um, it affects my vocal cords and I can't really talk that well for a little bit. I get a little scratchy, scratchy voice. Oh no, I'm gonna get hit by a dump truck. Not good. Oh shit, I don't wanna die. <laughs> so there's a labor shortage. That's why that uh, security company would be great, but not if you can't get anyone to work for you. They said that most of the employees get about 20 bucks. Well, does anyone that work for $20 at a security job where you have to physically be there? I don't know. I don't know. Especially in Denver. Does $20 get you anything in Denver? You know, it's like me and my wife occasionally we'll get a little naughty and we'll go to Taco Bell. It's like $22 for two people at Taco Bell. They used to have dollar tacos. <clears throat> That's a tangent for a different day. So what's this idea? What are we building up to this mysticism? Well, it all comes back to remote working. So during the pandemic, scary pandemic, during the pandemic, everyone started working remotely which makes sense. Everyone can work remotely because of the internet, phone. I mean, that's all an employee needs is an internet and phone. But this isn't the industrial revolution. We're not working on machines. <laughs> so during this pandemic, what people have been doing is they've been getting two jobs, which I absolutely love. So this whole me getting turned on to this. I, I'd heard a, a while ago about a guy who was a IT, he was like a developer, I think. And what he was doing is he had a couple jobs. And what he was doing is he was just outsourcing all the coding to people overseas. And then he was able to, to juggle multiple, I think the guy had two or three jobs. Because he wasn't actually doing anything. I mean, he wasn't doing any of the coding work, which is the most time consuming part of being a developer. He would just outsource it to them. He was getting paid, I don't know, whatever. Let's say 150, he was outsourcing it to some company overseas for 60 grand, collecting the, well, it was even lower than that, 20 grand. So he was just collecting three or $400,000. And he was like, I was just like playing video games and like going to meetings and stuff. So I had heard of that, but I had never heard of really like just working two jobs and like, you know, just doing the bare minimum. So these, uh, so I was, I was directed to, I had a note sent to me, as Rush Limbaugh used to say. I had a note sent to me uh, saying, hey, uh, check out this uh, write-up. So it was a story in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> and it was exploring this trend of people working remotely, having multiple jobs. And pretty much, it said it's happening in lots of sectors. But I think that like almost everyone they interviewed, or the ones that I read, were just people like in IT. Um, developers because they worked on and, and kind of like what I was feeling <laughs> is that, that they work on these teams with other developers so they would just be like I'll just not I just won't do much you know and then they'd get another job either doing the same thing for another company or uh, like one person was like doing contract like teaching people how to code um, other stuff like that so I was like that's like really really interesting because 
even though coders, even though uh, people in IT, they make pretty good money. I mean, if you have an IT job as a developer or whatever, like, you make pretty good money. But my mother-in-law was a developer um, and a uh, programmer. I think it was just called a programmer back then. It's kind of the same thing. And this was, like, the late 90s. She was making, like, a close to 100000 That was 22 years ago. 23 years, 22, 23. So, if you think about it, yeah, they make like 120 now, but that's, I mean, that's not like a whole lot more for that amount of time. I guess there's more people doing it too. So, these people were kind of thinking like, their thought process was like, well, I mean, our pay hasn't really gone up, so I'm just going to like, get mine. Hey folks, I totally appreciate that. I love it. You know, if your business is, the company is going to sleep on you and they're not going to do that and they're going to give you enough, I don't know, I guess the word is freedom, but it's like, if you're worth that much, if you can juggle two jobs, you deserve the double pay, correct? I mean, if you're doing the two jobs at once, you deserve it. I don't have any ethical hang-up about that because people online are like, it's not illegal, but it's like highly unethical. It's like if you're delivering the products, and the, if you're delivering the service, or whatever that you're hired to do, and your stuff is on time, and it's good quality, then, well, I don't understand there, them, there being an ethical issue. Obviously, the only problem you would run into is, like, if you were working at a company and then you went and, like, got a job with their competitor, yeah, obviously, but, like, for, say, that guy that was a developer, <laughs> and then he was teaching on the side, and, like, a, as, like, a contractor teaching coding there's isn't really an ethical issue there in, in my eyes maybe I have loose ethics loose is a goose ethics but I don't see the problem there if he's getting his stuff done on time what's the difference so I was like I absolutely love this because you're getting like a lot to kashish number one because it said in this article people were making they were doing this between like a combined income of two to six hundred thousand a year I was like now we talking that's worth it the other thing too is it's like if you're doing that you'd actually probably be doing better work because just the thrill of having two jobs and trying not to get caught <clears throat> would keep you like so much more engaged because then you're like it would make it really interesting do you understand that one thing with me for like being a self-employed, it's like one thing that keeps me, well, keeps everyone who's self-employed engaged is like trying to do as much as you can do. You know, I'm having people like kind of stacking up for my schedule tomorrow and I'm like, someone's like, hey, can you like bring me a dumpster? And I have like four other stops and I was like, let's just try to make it work. That's an extra 225 bones. <laughs> Yeah, I'm down. So it's like, I think that maybe having two jobs would keep you so engaged that you, your product might be even better. So I was like, I'm going to give, Daddy wants to give us a tumble to see, not necessarily to do it, but just to see like what it would be like and what it would take and like, is it a, uh, what are the things you need to think about? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince my cousin to do this because I was like, because he wants to like do all this internet shit like affiliate marketing all that I'm like dude you have to do so much you don't even know man you have to write so many articles and go look at how many like pages of content and like rankings like your competitors have 
I'm in the dumpster world, and like dumpsters.com, they have they rank for like 350,000 keywords. So you better like writing articles, and you better like making backlinks and all that. And by oh by the way, it's going to take you years to make any money. But I was like, here's here's the here's the idea. Okay, now he's like me. Well, he has a. I was going to say, like, it doesn't really work for me because I don't, like, have any technical skills. It's, no, it still works for me. I don't have any technical skills, so I couldn't do an IT job. So then I had to start brainstorming and get some ideas popping. You know you know me. I get, I get it figured out. So I was like, okay, well, how would I do this? So this is for someone who doesn't have any specialized technical skills. If you're a, if you're a developer, you're smart enough and you know what you can do. So you don't need necessarily need this... Uh, well, you know, might not be smart enough. Just because you can develop doesn't mean you're a smart person. But here's like the A to Z, and I'm going to do somebody with no technical skills. So me. <laughs> this is how I explained it to him. I was like, okay, so here's what you do. Okay, listen up. Grab a knee. <laughs> here's what you're going to do. And this is what I would do. So I looked around for a remote sales job. Sales. Because sales is the only thing that you can do to generate enough money to make this work as the primary job, okay? So if you don't have any technical skills, you gotta do something in sales for the most part. Okay, these are broad broad strokes, folks. Broad brush strokes. So find something that you can do, sell remote, sell. So I was like, okay, well, what can I sell remote that you can actually make a good, good amount of uh, good income making. So I found a position selling life insurance. Now we're, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, help the company out here by giving them their, your, their name. You can search for it. Basically what this, this company has like an, a big online presence. And I believe the job is like somebody fills out something that says like, Hey, I need life insurance in Nebraska. If you're a remote worker and you're licensed in Nebraska, you can like take that lead. Bingo, bango, bongo. You write up the policy, you get a little commission. I don't know what the splits are or anything. I didn't like really pursue it. I believe there's two weeks of training and I think that the training is remote. I would like to think so. Um, and obviously you're gonna need like an internet connection and a phone. You might need a, a landline, I don't know. But if you do, big deal. So you get that, you get that rocking, you get it popping. You need to also find out how many vacation days these, this company allows you to have. And uh, what I would like is I'd like to see about two weeks of vacation, okay? And you, I think what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to work that job a little while to see what, to see what it's like, okay? I mean, if you're also taking like incoming calls and you're like in a, and there's like, calls stacking up where you have no time, that's not going to work. You need a sales job where it's basically like 95% outgoing and like you can have some incoming calls, but nothing crazy. So we want to get that all figured out. So the job I found, it has like a, basically has a base pay. I think it like pays hourly for the first like whatever, like 60 days. And the, the hourly pay was $18 an hour. Okay. So that's our base. That's where we live. So you're going to get the sales job, you're going to get it going, you're going to see what the, the workflow is like, see what you can handle, okay? Now here's the second piece. This is our bonus pay. This is what keeps us engaged. And the second job, and this is what I, this is what I teach. 
The second job needs to be a, uh, a job where you're just chat support, chat and email. You're not taking calls, chat and email. Okay. That's where somebody has no technical skills, chat and email. Because then you can be making outgoing calls and have your uh, customer service or uh, customer management dialing app on like one laptop and then on the other laptop, that's where you're doing your chat support. So you'd be doing chat support for like ABC website that sells whatever. And people are going to be like texting, chatting in being like, oh yeah, like uh, what's the shipping for the Just dumb stuff. <clears throat> and I had a job doing chat support once. Oh my. I had a job doing chat support once for a, look, we don't need to name what I was doing, but it was very simple. And uh, at a certain point of, like, I would get maybe five chats a day. <laughs> and it didn't really pay anything. It only paid 11 bucks an hour, but I, like, wasn't doing anything. I was just, like, watching TV. Uh, it wasn't an office setting. Um, but I was, like, the only person at the office at that time. Because it was, like, overnight. <laughs> so I just hung out at the office. I was a good little guy. So, okay... And you can also find these like chat support, like email support um, jobs. And some of them pay like around 20 bucks an hour. Well, dang, now we're talking. So you got a customer service job for 20 bucks an hour. You have a, a sales job that pays you a base of 18. So you're making $38 per hour plus your commissions. So with somebody with no skills, that's a pretty good kashish. So now that's good, okay? Now here's the other rub. How many chat support jobs can you add? <laughs> could you add two more? Well, it depends. You could. See, what you do, <laughs> this is where it gets real crazy. See, what you do is you add another job. And, and the, only, the only thing that's going to get you in trouble is you're going to have to figure out the training schedule. Because these jobs usually are like two weeks of training and sometimes they're like in person. So I'm going to have to work it to where you're like going on vacation and you're like doing training for two weeks. <coughs> um, you might be able to do the training online though. It just depends, folks. Hopefully the training can be done online. If the training can be done online, you're pretty much like golden. Um... But here's what you would do is you would get like a, one of these chat or email support jobs or just a job where you don't have to be on the phone. So one that I found that would work for me because I know how to do it is like titles abstracting or title searching. <laughs> Pays like 70 grand a year. You don't ever have to be on the phone for that. Or if you are, you're like calling a courthouse about something. So that could be done. So then I'd have a $75,000 job doing abstracting and then another job like doing outbound sales. Yeah, now was now that could be like 150 grand a year. And like I said, you're going to be real engaged because of whatever. But I mean, what if you just have a normal corporate job right now or you're just like my cousin and you're just getting into the job market? Dude, what better way to get in the job market than to get like four jobs? So the other thing too is what you would do is like, okay, so you'd add your first chat job and then you'd eventually get it figured out to where it was like pr probably pretty boring. So then you're like, I'm ready to add job number three. <laughs> and then what you would do is you would search for another like support job, something easy. And then you'd add it. 
And then out of the two like chat support jobs or email jobs or whatever, we'll call them customer service jobs. You would take whichever one is more work and then just drop it. And then you would rinse and repeat. So if you could get, what if you could get three jobs like I had where I only had five chats in an eight hour day? And that they each pay, let's just be realistic and be like, okay, what if I had three more jobs that each paid $15 an hour? So $45 an hour in your customer service job, a base pay of $18 an hour in your sales job, plus whatever commissions you make. Now we actually talking about something real, okay? And some of the customer service jobs are going to pay 20 bucks an hour. So let's get a crazy and be like, well, what if you could get your customer service job gigs up to 20 bucks an hour each? So that's 60 bucks an hour. And then your sales job's 18 plus commish. That's $78 an hour plus commissions. Uh, how sexy is that, player? I like it. So I was like, I'm going to like try this and um, apply for some jobs. My, my resume isn't exactly employer-friendly, you know? They're like, so you haven't held a job, in, a full-time job in how long now? And you're how old? <laughs> they do not like me down there folk um but anyway i was like so i told my cousin i was like you should 100 percent do this and then here's the real rub this is where things get really crazy so you do this and as you're doing it you're documenting you're fully documenting you're documenting everything every little step you do you're shooting some vids about how things are going you may be doing some little audio recordings like your boy do. Everything. You're documenting what you're making, how long it's taking you, how much work each job is. And then you bundle that up and check this out. Then you start selling it as a course. How to make $250,000 a year working X amount of hours per week, blah bitty blah Hell yeah. Yes, you're teaching it. You have an online course now. Now you're building a community. Oh, man, you're absolutely killing it. You might be able to make a million dollars a year doing this. Absolute financial freedom. You're the Robert Kiyosaki of your time. Mugs, bumper stickers, t-shirts. <laughs> Commemorative dishes. <laughs> you know, you got, you got everything rocking. So I love that idea. I'm obsessed with that idea. I was literally going to try that, and then I, <laughs> I put my resume together, and I'm like, no one's ever going to hire me. I applied at a place I used to work. I'm sure in the thing it was like, well, last time you were here, you were a temp, and you like, you created like a temp uprising. Yeah, but well, times were different then. <laughs> temp uprising. You tried to unionize the temps for Christ's sakes. <laughs> You're a fucking nightmare in the office. Yeah, that's true. I am a nightmare. So I don't think it would work for me because I could never get hired. There'd be way too many questions. Not to mention the fact that I might Google my name and it would come up with a podcast explaining how to do what I'm... <laughs> explaining how to hustle the system. But isn't that perfect for these millennials that don't want to work? They'll learn to work if they have four fucking jobs. <laughs> God, these are good people. Anyway, I love that idea. If you could pull that off, 
If you're currently listening to this and you're doing that, I want to talk to you. I just love that. I love everything about it. Oh, my God. Because every day you'd be... It would make... <laughs> part of the problem that I had when I had a job is I was, like, literally bored to tears. I was like, I'm so bored my eyes are watering. Because <sighs> I had one job, it was just all outgoing sales. Oh, my God, was it boring. Holy shit. And then the thing I was selling was, like, so... Oh, I was recruiting. And it was, like, the thing I was trying to get people to sign up for was, like... It seemed like a scam, number one. Number two, it was incredibly boring. Um, and it had no hook. So whenever you're selling something, you have to have a hook. There's got to be a hook sandwich in there. And you're like, well, what's a hook? It's like, it's something that is something that makes people pay attention to you. Okay. Kind of like, hey, click on this article to see like one great secret to help you make a million dollars a year or something like that. These three forgotten ancient Chinese secrets can help you live to 100. <clears throat> so you get me. Um, so that's the idea. If that doesn't get you where you need to be, I, I can't help you. Um, that's the idea. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. God, I want to try it. I'm really, like, hassling my cousin to try it. Because I was like, dude, you just graduated college. You're working. All you're doing is working for me. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb and just work with me for a day and then go back and be like, I had a diarrhea or whatever you need to do. You need to learn how to hustle a little bit, my little dude. That's the problem with, like, the Utes. They don't know how to hustle because they never, like, had jobs when they were kids. I was mowing lawns when I was, like, 10 years old. Okay. I was mowing the neighbor's lawn when I was literally 10. And collecting on her ass if she didn't pay. So it's like I always was working. So I got the hustle. I love hustling. I love making money. Puts a little smile on my face. And that would be literally think about your paychecks if you had four jobs. So what do you do for a living? You seem to be doing well. I do customer service. Oh really? Yeah, I got like six jobs though. <laughs> I have six customer service jobs. So, yeah, it's pretty sweet. I make $140 an hour doing customer service. Um, so that's what's up. Now here, there's, I don't think I've talked, I've talked about this just like taking audio notes. Because I try to like every day take some audio notes. Just for personal use. Not for everyone, just for me. Where I kind of, if I, if I see something that's kind of interesting or that I want to research on my own, just for fun, just to get my brain going, keep the brain young, <clears throat> I'll take a little note. So this was a little note that I took. I don't think I did put it on an idea attic, but what it is, there's the idea. It's, this is like a side gig. So this is one of my, this is my critique of the week, yo. I'm just doing one because I kind of want to do like a kind of like a deeper dive on it, you know? And what it is, is I was like, what are some things I can do? Because real estate's so expensive. I mean, it's real estate is punitive, yo. You can't buy anything. And the stuff that you can buy, it's like, this is a humongous gamble. So up the street, <coughs> like a block away from where I live, there's these really cool townhouses. Now, I live in Nebraska, okay? It's not a nice area. It's a wasteland. And... <laughs> 
these these townhouses are like stucco and they're like southwestern motif so they're really different they have flat roofs but they're really cool looking and they're huge and all of them have like a it's kind of hard to explain without saying it all of them have like one big combined backyard that's like four football fields of green space so it's really cool and it's in our neighborhood which is really nice and two years ago literally two days after jay was born uh we bought one of them as a flip and we bought it for 130. bang and deal the thing was 1900 square feet on the main level oh dash push up unfinished basement and uh I sold it for $259, $265, something like that. So I made like eighty-five grand, and I didn't really do much. I was up there, I was maybe putting in like, I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't really work, I didn't, we didn't really do that much. It was pretty easy. I set some cabinets, I like did a little drywall repair. <laughs> Nothing crazy, folks. Made 85. So it's like, hell yeah. So there's one on the market now. It's It needs to be updated. It's not in good, it's not in bad condition, but it's not in good condition. And I'm thinking about buying this as a flip. It's 250. I think I can maybe sell it for 335, but I think it's already sold. 12 hours into being on Zillow, it had like 60 saves. I don't, I'm not going to get into a bidding war on this, that thing either because it has a lot of, uh, you have to be over a certain age. You can't have kids. You can have pets. I mean, there's a lot of different things, but um, the, there's other ones similar to that across in the different neighborhood next to our neighborhood, and they're seven fifty. So the, these things will still sell, and you will still make money on them. But I was like, God damn, two years in in something that needs work, it goes from one thirty to two fifty, and you can't rent them. So I was looking at rentals, and I'm like, I cannot make these numbers work. This, I would be very worried. I mean, I had one that I bought really good pre-pandemic. I bought it as a rental. And it was like, after everything was said and done, I was going to make like $200 a month just in cash flow. Obviously, I'd be making equity. <laughs> but I was like, it doesn't excite me. So I was looking around, and I don't know where I ran into this, but someone was like, you know what you can make a great, great, like, passive income on is, like, vending machines. And I was like, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> I actually knew a guy. He was a realtor, and he's, he was really smart. I mean, uh, he was a CPA, I think, before he was done real estate. And while he was a CPA, he also owned a bunch of gumball machines. And one time, my mom knew he did that. And so I asked him about it one time and he was like, he was like, oh man, it was like a really good moneymaker. He's like, I, I made a lot of money doing that. And he was like, and he also said that the other great thing is like, it was all cash, obviously it was all quarters. Um, but he was like, he said that it was a lot of work and the machines get vandalized or whatever. But I was like, well, maybe could you like hire someone to just stock the machines and whatever. So I started looking into it, and I read an article on uh, through the hustle.com. You're familiar with the hustle, correct? Um, it's kind of an entrepreneurial newsletter, and I read an article about that where they interviewed, I think, 33 people who owned vending machines as a side hustle. This, this is what the millennials want now. They want these side hustles. Get a second job. So um, 
these millennials were doing this as a side hustle. And, uh, and it said, uh, the other thing too is that they were like, well, there's a Facebook group called Vending Nation that's just, it's exploding. So many people getting into it. It's totally crazy. You can pick these things up. So the overall market, the market for vending machines is like gigantic. It's huge. I mean, there's vending machines everywhere, right? You dig? And most of them are like mom and pop. I mean, there's some big vending companies. Most of them are mom and pop. And you can scoop these little like mom and pop operations up. This is this is more of like a sales pitch. You can scoop these things up for like good money, and, and they have machines that are like well maintained. And blah blah blah. They already have the routes. You don't have to place the machine. Placing the machine that's like the most work you're ever going to do. That's what the that's what the sales pitch is over on this overall idea. This is what I was reading everywhere. This is the surface. This is why you need to listen to me. This is the surface thing. Where it's like it's so good. Mom and pop operations. You just scoop them, scoop and score. So I was like, well, that is kind of interesting because what if you just pay somebody 18 hour bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour or whatever to, uh, well, I'm, t I'm overly generous with how much I pay people, but what if you just paid somebody to like go stock them, grab your money, blah, blah, blah. And then I was reading more and they're like, well, you don't even have to like, all the guesswork's taken out now because these new machines, they tell you when they're running low, it's credit card payment. So the payment just goes right into your account. You don't even have to worry about it, yo. Payments just go right into your account. It literally is passive. And then it was like, hey, it'll just text you and be like, hey, uh, I'm like running low on Diet Coke. Could you bring me out some Diet Coke? Because we're running low. <laughs> that's what you have. That's what I'm hearing when I'm reading this stuff. As I was like, damn, these machines have come a long way. So I join Vending Nation. Okay. And uh, and then I find this article on the hustle. And the hustle. They still, it's still, the hustle is still painted pretty good because they're like, well, the average person is making this much and that much or whatever. And uh, so then I'm like digging into the numbers and I'm like, okay, everywhere I'm reading is like the average machine only makes you like 35 bucks a week, you know, but in the, like in this article in the hustle, they're like, some of these people have machines that make them 400 bucks a week. Well, that... That may, or is, yeah, the machine makes 400 bucks a week. So it's like, oh, that still like kind of sounds intriguing. So I, I dig in, fork and knife, I dig into these things. And I break it down out of the gross numbers that they're putting up here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it actually looks like the machines on average, though, are making 35 bucks per week. Um, That ain't good. <laughs> okay, so you can't pay anyone $18 an hour to go restock them because you have an hour travel time, let's say. Let's just round. 30 minutes to get there, 30 minutes to come back, an hour to screw with the machine. That's two hours. That's $18. 18 times 2 is 36 Well, that's not going to work, y'all. <laughs> but I'm like, there still has to be something to this, by God. So I'm digging and I'm a digging. And uh, what do I find? Well, we'll get to that right after these commercial messages. All right, guys, we're back. Sorry about that. Had some technical issues. I actually re recorded the end of the vending segment, but I was getting lost out in Waterloo by a little area. Now, if, if you're from Omaha, you're probably aware of this area. It's called King Lake or Kings Lake, I believe. Used to be like kind of a little resort area. Kept flooding. Now only like 
squatters, meth heads, only they kind of live in that area. And I had a job out there and I was recording, but I was getting a little scared that maybe it was a setup because the street I was on was a dead end. And I'm like, is this like a meth head setup where I go down a dead end and they pull a car in behind me and then fucking slap you boy up? <laughs> slappity, slappity. No, it wasn't. It turned out fine. But I was like kind of frantically doing the end of the like vending machines and I went back and listened to it and I was like, there's panic in my voice. What I'm saying doesn't make any sense. So anyway, I just kind of touched on um, all the things that are like good about vending machines. Like it's passive. They make $400 a week. That's kind of like what the hustle is outlining. The hustle is kind of saying like, yeah, it's like it could be pretty good. It could be pretty good. Yeah, it could be, but is it probably going to be? And so I did some additional digging, and I went to, they had talked about in that article, a, a, a Facebook group called Vendination. And then they also talked about some YouTubers. <coughs> so I went there to get the real story, because on YouTube and online, for some reason... I guess I do this, but on YouTube a lot, people will just put out like what they're doing, where their stuff's at, how much they make, what, you know, what their expenses are. People are pretty like open and honest about it. Um, so I watched a couple of YouTube videos and, and it, it was just like, here's me collecting the money out of my vending machine uh, on the week of whatever. So I watched that, a couple of those. Um, they were stupid, it was clickbait garbage. The people were like, they'd only tell you like how much they made, like how much they collected. That doesn't tell me anything. That's like me going to the bank and be like, I would just withdrew whatever amount. Or, you know, it just is meaningless. Um, there's my homeboy. <laughs> uh, so I was like, well, that doesn't. I don't know what that means because I don't know what you're selling. I don't know how much they're, you're selling each thing for. I don't know where you're located. Like, where's the where's it at? You know, I don't know anything about that. So I watched a couple more. They were kind of stupid. The only one that I really saw that was any good was this guy. He owns uh, him and his brother both have YouTube channels, and I I watch them on and off for reference because they put out a lot of information, a lot of stuff. And uh, he has a laundromat. And in all of his laundromats, he also puts vending machines. Okay. That actually does make sense because he's in there every week anyway, collecting money from his uh, machine laundry machines and, like, checking up on stuff. So he's already going there. So in a way, it's not passive, but it makes sense because he's already there. He already has coin-operated stuff or, like, vending-related items. So, I, again, I was like, that's kind of worthless. <laughs> doesn't have a vending business. Okay, nothing to grasp, hold on to, and really ride. So I, got, I went into Ven Nation, and it was all these idiot millennials. We have one or two machines. Half of the stuff is them saying like, well, "Where do I place it? I tried placing it here, and it got broken into there." That so no real operators. But I, I put out like a teaser, and I know I talk a lot about how good getting into YouTube or Facebook groups about something you might want to get into is really, really good because you're going to hear all the most common problems. 
So all the co most common product problems in this Facebook group were, where do I put my machines? And my machine's broken. <laughs> How do I do this? How do I do that? So these machines are like broken all the time, apparently. Even brand new ones. Or people are like, I ordered three new machines from ABC Manufacturing and now they're like, the machine, the place is closed. It doesn't exist anymore. And they took my money. That was pretty common. So I put out a question and I was like, how much, on average, how much does each one of your machines make? Or give me like a real life example of a, of like all of your machines. Like how much should my machines be making? You know, what can I like realistically expect doing this? What are your expenses? And then the big one is how much time do you spend on your machines per week? So I was getting some answers, like on every, pretty much all the people were like, well, each one of them makes me three or four hundred dollars. No, that's a lie. That's not true. Um, and I'll tell you why it's not true, because people kept telling me that. And then I would be like, okay, out of that, how much of that four hundred dollars, is that the gross amount or whatever? And then they like, no one really understood what the difference between net and gross was. And then when I explained it, <laughs> literally educating these morons. I was like, well, this is what net means and this is what gross means, like how much? And they'd be like, oh, 400 then still. And I was like, well, how much should it cost you to like restock it? And they'd be like, well, it costs this much. And I'd be like, well, did... so out of the $400 you had to pay for the restocking. And they're like, yeah, but it made me 400. And I was like, no, then it didn't make you 400. I'm talking about the profit, dude. So, okay, let's go off of these idiots' numbers. So, $400, and let's say you have, like, a... You're marking things up. Let's just say you're marking things up 400% just to make the math easy. So, then you have to restock it. That brings you down to $300, okay? And then you have to split it. You're leasing your space for approximately 10% of what you make. So, if you make $400 a week, or whatever, I don't know. Let's say, uh, and after the expenses, it's 300 so you take 30 bucks off the top to pay the store owner or whatever, so then you're down to, what does that bring you down to? That brings you down to 270 It's getting sad already. I'm behind somebody on the interstate that's driving 45 Are you fucking kidding me? Sorry, y'all. Um, so you're down to 270 and then I'm like... This is the thing I was really trying to ask people. was like, how much time do you spend on each place? And and they were like, well, I have two vending machines, and I, I put in like three to five hours of work on, on them a week. I check them every week. So I was like, okay, so two and a half hours per machine per week. So it's going to be kind of difficult to hire someone. I guess it's possible could hire someone each machine's gonna take them if each machine takes them if two machines takes five hours you're not gonna really be making any money so I was like that, that, that doesn't really work and the other thing is like four hundred dollars is like almost one of the, the best case scenarios because as I dug more I, I found some like journals some trade magazines and trade journals about vending each machine actually <laughs> nets you out. The profit you make per each machine per week is closer to like 35 bucks. 
after like I guess after everything. Oh, that's not very good. So you're profiting thirty five bucks per week, one hundred and forty bucks. That's pretty good. I can grow. I mean, that's all right, I guess. But what if you have a repair? That was the other thing. Is these machines, you can't just really repair them. And here's the other thing. Like, a lot of these machines don't come hooked up with, like, a... Not all of them come with, like, bill readers. And and the ones that do, and the ones you have to add a bill reader to, you have to pay, like, a monthly subscription fee to. Okay, that's chipping away. So you're chipping away. You already have razor-thin margins, number one. You're chipping away at them with all this extra shit. Um, and then the other thing, too, is these machines are, like, incredibly expensive. I mean, the ones that everyone's like, you have to get this machine, yo, they're, like, four grand. I was like, that's a fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and they were like, well... You have to have the newer machines because a lot of places don't want older machines in their in their like business or at their at the school or at the hospital or whatever. Like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But uh, I would much rather buy an old Coke or Pepsi machine from. You can get ones that are like fifteen or twenty years old for five hundred dollars. Yummy. So I was like, this is looking like not a great business. And then I read about. I, I found in one of these trade magazines. This thing about this huge company, this, like, huge vending company. They're, like, in 50 states and, like, Canada, whatever. And they have, I don't know, tens of thousands of machines or whatever. But they're okay <laughs> netting out, like, it was something ridiculous, like 95 cents a machine per day. Or something really low. And it's, like... And, and it was just because of, like, sheer massive scale that they could do that. And it was like, okay, you're in a freaking environment that's capital intensive with these machines, service intensive because you got to stock the damn things. And you have competitors that are, like, operating on razor-thin margins because they're at huge scale. I think they were, like, the, the number one or number two, like, vending company in the whole world. I was like, you cannot, you can't, can, like, compete with that. And the, the ones that, I mean, even if you had a, like a killer machine that made $500 a week, um, you get one like repair. It seems like the repairs are pretty, can be pretty intense. <laughs> the cooling thing goes out on it. It's worthless. It's like a fridge. <clears throat> I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. But on the flip side, it's like, I don't like vending, but I do like check this out. I do like a laundromat business. Uh-oh. Flipped it on you. Because then you're just selling water. Or or heat. And laundromats. So if, you, if you're dead set on doing something like a vending business, then instead of doing instead of doing a, a, like a food vending machine or a whatever vending machine, do a fucking laundromat. They make like a 30% return yearly return that's really good 30% profit margin and the other thing is um it's like a mature market so you don't have to build one in fact it's stupid to build one you just find one for sale and you just buy it okay what's going on here now um you just buy it because it already has clientele you can see the books 
No one's building new ones because no one thinks it's a gr like that great of a business. So they actually do like really well. The ones I've looked into do really well. And you can't even find them for sale. There's like none for sale. I haven't been able to find any. That, those are all pointing to good business. Here's another one. I'll throw you a little curveball down and inside. Little ankle music. Kaplunk. And that is, now this is really going to freak you out. I would do a place like in a, like an O Street or like a Benson or like a Blackstone, a trendy area. Get a little, like, get like 10 or 15 arcade games. Uh-oh. That's right. Like 10 or 15 arcades because the arcades don't pay out anything. It's just for entertainment purposes only, you dig? So there's no, um... You're not restocking an arcade. It just, it is what it is. And people my age, like, kind of think that's kind of cool because it's retro or whatever. You serve alcohol in there and then you, like, serve bar food. You have a bar with an actual reason for people to go to it. Now, I'm not talking about a Dave and Buster's. I'm talking about, like, a fucking hole in the wall. And uh, I saw this when I was walking around downtown Tokyo. They have a bunch of businesses that are, like, just the claw game. <laughs> like a 500 square foot thing of just just the claw. Just hundreds and hundreds of the claw. And it's like, oh, win iPhone. You know, like you can win an iPhone in the claw game. And it's like three bucks a shot or something. And I did some reading and out of all kind of arcade games, the claw game has the highest return. Of investment. Yeah, claw game. Claw daddy. So that, that's a little something. If, if you must... If you must do something like that, laundromat, that's a low risk. Obviously the arcade with beer and a bar arcade or whatever, that's lower. Now I guess like arcades used to print money, so did ATMs. I guess those were the real, real McCoy. But vending machines, stay out of that. That's labor intensive for not really very much money. The other thing is it's like a gamble. Oh, and... The agent, I, the realtor I talked to, they used to have a, have them. He's like, I had a gumball machine because you could buy, you could buy gumballs in bulk for four cents each, and I would sell them for like a dollar fifty. So he was like, the markup was way higher, and he's like, a gumball machine can, um, it's all the same. I'm not going and buying a million different things. And he was like, uh, the other thing is, um. I could put like a 500, I think it was like 500 or 750 gumballs. He's like, I don't have to go back for like three months. So I'm not going back every week. All these like the pop ones and the food ones, you got to go every week. Hell no. Nah. But uh, I mean, nobody's buying gumballs, you know? <laughs> I mean, he used to put them in like malls. There used to be these things called malls where people would go shopping uh, under like a, everything was under one roof. Dig. It's called a mall. Um, he used to put them there, but malls don't exist anymore, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to base something off something that doesn't exist. Anyway, uh, I hope you got something. I feel like I jammed a lot in this one. I hope you were able to to enjoy it. hope you were able to live and laugh and love. You know the spiel. Um, I need, like, a cool sign-off, you know? If you guys can think of any cool sign-offs... You just hit, put them in the comments. <laughs> I don't even think there's anywhere you can comment. 
send me a note. Zach, we're a good idea, addict. Hey, guys, I really appreciate it. Um, share the show, love the show, cherish the show. I'm trying to do a weekly from inside the truck, the com mobile command. But uh, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Thanks.